Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The following program is brought to you by the Preferred Home Team. Content is provided for general information only and should not be treated as a substitute for professional advice from your legal or real estate advisors. Welcome to the Real Estate Radio Hour, a forum of ideas, plans, and expert advice on all things real estate. Andy Prasky with Remax Advantage Plus was named Super Agent by Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine. Chris Rooney of Remax Preferred is a Lakeshore and Luxury Home Specialist. Together they cover the Twin Cities. This combined dynamic duo has sold over 2,000 homes, ranked in the top 1% nationwide, top 10 in the state of Minnesota and still have time to get together every Saturday to talk about real estate. Here's Abby Prasky and Chris Rooney, Denny Law, and the Real Estate Radio Hour. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our real estate show around every Saturday here on CCO in the uh, 10 o'clock hour. Uh, Chris and Abby, good to see you guys. And I, again, will ask you... um, how your week was in real estate, that is. That's We'll just we'll, we'll <laughs> leave just, it at that. We'll leave it at that, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, after last week's show talking about the Niswa market, boy, I had the itch to go uh, start looking for a cabin, I tell you. They, you know, I was with you there. Yeah. yeah me too. Yeah, they uh, they were talking to us, you know, I don't know, Chris, if you caught the show, but they uh, at, towards the end of the show, they were talking about the different, you know, neat features and the how there's actually an economy up there now, and there's all these exciting things going on that are beyond just, you know, sitting on the lake. But what was kind of cool is they were talking about the uh, – the ability to find the lakes that have, you know, the you want to sit on the dock and read the book or do you want to, you know, water ski off your dock kind of a, you know, or, or boat over to a, a restaurant or a bar. And uh, apparently they have all of that. So, you know. Well, we, and that's why you have an agent too. I mean, because seriously, if I'm, if I'm going up in that area and I'm thinking I'm getting on a recreational lake and all of a sudden it's the, you know, it's the mm-hmm. rowboat lake. That's not going to be a lot of fun. That happens a lot up in Hayward as well. Yeah, yeah. So we wanted to thank Brent and Mark again. And anybody that wants to get a hold of those guys, you can uh, reach out to the show here or, you know, send us an email, um, you know, Prask, or Andy at Prasky.com will come right, and I'll uh, make sure that they get your info and get you on one of those cabin searches. But you did ask us a question. How the I did. <laughs> and, uh, Are you going to answer it? All yeah. the way around the barn, and I still yeah. haven't answered the question <laughs> yeah, yet. You um, yeah, no, the week was actually really good. The weather, oh, good. I think, really made a difference with this nice sunshine. Oh, that I has guess. really affected everybody in a good way. Um, you know, the, the interest rates, Danny, I'm telling you, I'm a little concerned still that the rates have slowed down the momentum. Um, people almost like doing the old, let's, let's wait and see if they go back down kind of a pause. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're gone. I don't think the buyers are gone. I think that they're just on pause. Yeah, it's kind of a rate shock, you know, in a way. And I think, I don't care whatever side you're on, you know, uh, politically, uh, the whole election thing, you just yeah. don't know. And, and people are just kind of nervous on, on what's happening. Um, you know, I there's a lot of stats out right now that the the market is is shifted and uh, you know prices have gone down and all of that fun stuff and and, and people are scared, but mm-hmm. I I call it I, our stat 
is kind of like boots on the ground stats. Yeah. You know, it's what we're seeing every single day and what's happening. And uh, the one thing that I saw, and I don't think it's not um, kind of followed through yet, but it is. I saw a lot of real good action on the upper bracket end of homes. Now, mm-hmm. everyone's saying, oh, they're reducing, reducing. Yeah, they are. But this is when people are buying, too. So there's mm-hmm. a lot more that are going. We just got rid of uh, uh, got rid of one. We're real close on another one. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got two appointments on upper $1 million, almost $2 million homes. And that, I don't know. To me, that always signifies mm-hmm. something that it, it's not gone yet because those people usually don't make those mistakes. Well, and I, I've always wondered about the – so let's say you've got $2 million cash in the bank. Why would you go – buy a $2 million pay cash on a house unless you were scared of the other investments that were out there, or maybe you felt uncertain about what's happening. And so the one thing you do know is you do know that you want to live in a beautiful house like that. So it it makes sense to you to maybe make that investment. So um, I do see a lot of that kind of logic going into play Um, when markets are vulnerable housing or cabins or things seem to be a a great way to, uh, you know, kind of hide away from the marketplace or the vulnerability of a market. Um, But, you know, it's one of those things that you, you get into, um, how much do you spend versus, you know, like what's interesting to me, I'd love to see the stats on this. Like how many of the houses under 500 are financed versus the houses over 500. And I think it'd be significantly cash heavy on the over 500. And everybody's like, well, how do they afford the payment on a $2 million house? They don't have payments. And it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. Well, they do have payments when you put taxes and insurance and actually maintaining that place. And uh, yeah, Yeah, you could have 3,000, $4,000 a month just in, in maintenance and taxes and, you know, somebody mowing the grass and, you know, keeping it looking nice. But. That's what I said. I, I was uh, with a, a client, and we were talking about, you know, their home that they want to sell. It was a second home. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't owe anything on it. But uh, they said, you know, it's just time to kind of go. We don't spend much time here. And I said, well, what does it cost? I mean, no payments, almost 7000 a month to run that house. Wow. You know, to be able to yeah. you think about that. And, and that's what I, I think sometimes you start getting into – uh, there's a great example um, of a house that I've seen that the price just continually went down. I mean, this person had to have about five and a half million into it. We got it. It went down, 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 down. Mm-hmm. We ended up selling for a million and a half. But the reason it did is because once you start getting into that, 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 uh, those five million dollar people, yep. you know, can throw away seven, ten thousand a month, no problem. Right. On maintenance, but the people that are at a million and a half, this sounds crazy, but I mean, no, but it's the truth. Yeah, I, I think it's good to talk about. It's yeah. interesting. And so, what happened was that that house maybe should have sold for three million, but those people are like, no, 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 no. And then finally, someone grabbed it right. because, but it's the maintenance. We, it was the maintenance. Uh, Chris, part it's it. funny. It, you know, we just had a client of ours that was looking in the North Metro, and, and we had up to a million and a half dollar budget, and we were up there, and so there's a lot of fun stuff to see. A lot of the houses we were looking at were four million previously listed for four million, three million, two million. That now are down to a million or nine hundred thousand. And these guys and gals that are selling them are just losing their shirts on it. But what's interesting was is that the buyer, like you just said, that can afford the million and a half, looks at it and goes, "Holy cows! Just the, if I paid cash, just the taxes and the heating, like on a nine thousand square foot house, and you have the boiler systems and you have all the water that are amazingly cool systems." You could have a $10,000 nut to crack every month on that house just if you own it free and clear. And, and to me, that's that, – well, anyway, that's that's obviously a different tax bracket than what, what I'm uh, yes. hanging around with. But um, Well, and I think the other thing is, too, when we're talking about those level of homes and, and, and they start that free-falling, mm-hmm. it's typically be typically because they haven't really been updated. Right. And and it's really hard for these people to imagine, you know, that, hey, I've got to throw in five hundred grand. 
to be able to get it to the level so I can go get that price. To get your money back sometimes right out of it. Yeah. Well, and, and get it back, but yet if it doesn't, it free falls. And if you're free falling, I mean, it costs you a million and a half or, hey, let's do 500. Mm-hmm. But it's that whole part about convincing them at the beginning that, hey, here's what the market is doing. And by the way, you got to put in about 400,000 to be able to get this, this, and this so we can kind of protect your price. Yeah, that's well, a lot of people don't like to do that. Right. You know, so it just, but there's sometimes there's just simple little things that you can do to be able to, because um, you got to get it sold right away because if you don't, if you don't get it sold right away in that bracket, then people start thinking, what's wrong with it? Mm-hmm. There's something that's wrong with it. And then they start making up things. You know, I always do sure. the joke that, hey, we've got a beautiful pond in the backyard. Now that becomes a swamp and it floods right. and your basement is a pool every spring. And FEMA's I mean, involved. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And it's just kind of like, what? Where'd that come from? The rumors you know? get going, for sure. Because yeah. there's always got to be a reason why something's not successful. Right. And I think that that, unfortunately, we get barraged with. The, and we thrive on that, you know, that personal part of our brain that, it, you know, you can't not pay attention to the negative stuff, right? It's like, it's almost like a panic, a fight or flight kind of a, a, an instinct we have. But when you look at housing, you know, you I look at the positive side of it right now. And I'm looking at the fact that when you do have that move up buyer or the middle bracket too, and they're moving up, it releases the inventory in the upper bracket. And then the upper bracket, the guys are moving up from the middle bracket. And also now we're starting to see some more single-family homes for sale. But, you know, Denny, when we we come back from the break here, I think one of the things we should talk about is the baby boomers and how they've changed a lot and how we're anticipating them changing our housing economy. Oh, yeah. Got to hear that. Good. All right. Let's uh, take this break. We'll do that. We hope you stay with us here in the Real Estate Show. We'll be back in a moment here on News Talk 830-WCCO. And welcome back to this portion of the Real Estate Show here on News Talk 830-WCCO. Chris and Andy here in studio, Travis around the corner. And when we, just before the break, uh, Andy, you uh, mentioned uh, the phrase uh, the baby boomers and mm-hmm. how they may have changed the market. What's the deal? What with? are they anyways? Baby boomers. <laughs> I don't know. My mom and dad, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's a generation right now that is one of the larger generations. And there's the, the more people in that generation turning 65 every day to the tune of 10,000 people a day, I believe, in that generation are turning 65. And so what's interesting, though, is, is that this, th- there's, uh, what we're having happen, though, is that so you have these um, uh, an age bracket that normally once they hit a certain age, they start thinking about like, hey, I'm going to retire or I'm going to, you know, uh, I'm not. They become less and less of an impact on the economy. So what's interesting is, is that the baby boomers are not retiring. They're not selling their big houses. They're still buying new cars. They're still buying clothes. They're still buying, you know, all the things that they normally you would see. In that, you know, 35 to, or 30 to 50 bracket, it's the 50 plus crowd that's going strong into their 70s. And what they're saying is 85% of these baby boomers have no intention of selling their large home. How many? 85% have wow. no intention and they plan on staying there. And in, in, in the bigger markets, you get out to the New Yorks and the Californias where the markets are crazy on values. It's even higher stats because they can't afford to move because they can't replace what they have or it's, it's just not affordable or cost effective to do it. So... It's just an interesting stat. And so generally that general or natural migration of people that once they get to a certain age, they sell the big two-story, they buy the Rambler or they buy the townhouse. And we're not seeing as many of those people move and we're seeing more remodeling and people staying put and retrofitting their houses. So it'll be an interesting next couple of years as we try to figure that out. So they're putting a lot of pressure back on a new construction. And yeah, I was out at a house that uh, they were thinking the same thing. They have this house, uh, a, a suburb house, a, a Rambler on a real nice lot, but if they were to remodel it, what happens is that 
they're going to put four or 500,000 into it. It would have totally priced them out of the complete neighborhood. And so then their decision was rather than remodeling, they're just going to go buy a brand new house instead. So uh, it's a, I don't know. That seems crazy, that 85%. Well, and that was just some general consensus from, you know, Zillow and Realtor.com and a bunch well, of these. Well, they know what they're talking about. Well, you think they do. At least they were, wherever they survey, that was the stats that they were pulling right. back in. So even if they're wrong by a couple percent or whatever, it's still a pretty high number of people that are thinking of staying put. And, you know, that, that uh, you know, uh, I've said it before, you know, the crowd that says, I really bought right when I bought. I like my house. I bought the right house in the right neighborhood in the right area. And now by making a few tweaks, spending, let's say, fifteen to you know $30,000 can stay there for another 20 or 30 years and it's paid for. I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of nice. Well, earlier this week, I actually gave Andy a call and uh, we started talking about my, <laughs> my, my idea because I came up with it because I've been hearing over this time, I mean, these really nice luxury homes that people want to build, mm-hmm. but they want to have that that extra area for the parents mm-hmm. or whatever. So I started thinking more and more, and I'm like, why couldn't we kind of develop a development that it actually was a bunch of duplexes, but they looked like totally single-family homes that you mm-hmm. couldn't even tell the difference if they weren't? But then you have the flexibility of, say, um, you want uh, you know a, an older child. To stay in that. Yeah, that is totally separate. Um, You have your aging parents in there. What if you just wanted to rent it out for some extra income? Yeah. Or you want to do it as a VRBO, you know, or it was guest quarters, you know, when they came on extended visits. I just think that creating some flexibility, and I think that's what we're talking about here, because maybe they don't want to move out of their homes, Mm -hmm. you know, but they're going to need some help somehow, somewhere. So there's been some of that done in a lighter scale, not quite as grand as what you're saying, but where it's, it's, it's kind of the, yeah, this is for mom and dad, the next generation homes. I think there's a few of them out there that are trying to do it. And what's interesting to me, Danny, is that a lot of these cities seem to not really be excited about it. And I, and I don't know if that's, it's a, it's a matter of, um, they don't understand how to zone it or it doesn't conform with their traditional zoning or if it's a matter of the, I don't want that behind That's my house. That's what it is. Yeah, and so I'd love to see, you know, if there's even some cities that are out there that would ever email our show, I'd I love know. to talk to them about putting together a collaborative, a collaborative uh, you know, project like you're talking about because we've got builders that would do it. we got consumers listening to the show that talk about it all the time and yeah. multi-generational housing. It's, and it's, a, yeah, it's a huge and it's not, need. And, and transitional, but there's there's so many things, and I think you don't limit it. Yeah. Because it's not like, hey, I, I, my parents are going to live with me. Maybe some people have, you know, an aunt from wherever that, that yeah. wants to use it every once in a while. Or, hey, once I start getting older, maybe I'll rent out the big side that I was in. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just keep the smaller side that right. we rent out, you know. And then you can kind of keep your house. Or what about transitioning into um, kind of an estate plan? Mm-hmm. You know, that, hey, we're going to transfer this over to our kids. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people are doing that right now. The kids oh, yeah. and they're all their, the kids, the parents are, you know, kind of in the smaller area because they don't need it all. And they're maybe mm-hmm. traveling and, the, you know, the other ones are on the other side. So, no, I think I it's know. a great, fantastic idea. I think that there's just a um, to find a, a quote development that would accept and, and, and look at that is, right. is the challenge. And I think that there's a lot of infill lots and houses that are in the, in the proper here in the city. That would allow that to happen, no problem. But it's like the you suburbs. Think so? That's when the complaints come, though. Yeah. You know, in, in the neighborhoods, and they have to say it. Hey, well, but if I'm, I'm converting a, a triplex to a triplex, it's okay, no big deal. That's I'm different. just I'm building something that's a little more suitable yeah. for today's market. What, what are the I complaints? What kind of complaints are you talking? If about? you want to try to do that, like an infill project, what Andy's saying is that there's lots within an area or a de- decrep, you know, whatever yeah. house. Yeah. Well, Horrible house that you want to tear down. Well, I, they usually, if it's a single family neighborhood, yeah. they want a single family. 
you know, yeah. one unit put okay. in there rather know, than a in duplex. In Minneapolis, so you'll see a lot of that where they pepper in. They'll have like a duplex next to a regular single-family home and whatever, and it works. And that's why I know that it could work. And I think that the development you're talking about creating could be a wonderful concept where you don't have to do it, but if you wanted to, it's available. Right. And, and so, you know, because I've always been a big fan of having – income-producing properties, and especially the one you live in. I mean, you think about being a farmer and having land, and you can generate income off of your own same thing with a house. What's wrong with having a a young family that moves into a house or, you know, let's say it's a a single female. She buys the house and decides to get married, have kids, and then they they turn the other side of the duplex into an extension of their house. And then when they get older, they turn it back into a rental property. And we see now what the big craze is, and that's why duplexes have shot up so high Mm -hmm. in values. Travis Whitford is going to be with us too. But you see that as well from a from a duplex standpoint that people are getting into those duplexes, living on one side and renting out the other one. They're just a lot more flexible. Oh yeah, I've been seeing, I've been doing a lot of investment property purchases or um, first time buyers that are looking to buy duplexes so they can have that rental income to help uh, help make their mortgage payment cheaper. I mean, it, it's I haven't seen this much multi unit activity in the last couple of years that I've had in the last couple of months. Totally. And I think this whole concept is like you won't – I mean, the, the fear is from neighbors is that there's going to be 72 cars that are parked in there and seven swing sets out in the backyard. I mean, and that's – I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of a different concept from that. And I think that's what a lot of people are doing right now on the duplex part of it. Well, but owner, owner on one side, renter on the other, there's a different set of rules. It's got living with your parents. You know what I mean? It's like they're not going to let you get away with much. It's when it's the offsite, you know, or, or what do they call that phrase where it's the uh, non-resident owner that it's a, strictly a rental property or VRBO. It'd be different. You know what I mean? There'd be less visibility by the owner, you know, in that circumstance. So I do understand that being viewed. So I'm on to something is what you're saying. You're, you're, you're a genius. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Well, on that Wizard. note, let's take Let's take a bit of a break here and uh, be right back. Stay with us. This is The Real Estate Show. We are around every Saturday uh, here on CCO in the 10 o'clock hour. And after this break, we'll be back with more here on News Talk 830 WCCO. And welcome back to this portion of The Real Estate Show around here on CCO every Saturday in the uh, 10 o'clock hour. Uh, Chris, Andy, Travis in studio. Where do we leave off? Where do we go from here? Well, I think we're going to hit on Travis. I know there's some new stuff. Uh, was it Fannie Mae through the actual process and kind of quickening things up again? Yeah. So. Yeah. So how many times have you had borrowers of yours complain to their about their mortgage lender? That's, never, oh, never. You know, oh, I got to submit more pay stubs. Oh, I got to submit more bank, bank statements. It's, you know, a never-ending process. It's true. Well, you know, sometime, I, I think it was at the end of last year, but lenders really started rolling it out earlier this year. Um, Fannie Mae has what's called a day one certainty, um, where it essentially allows borrowers to be completely paperless. Um, you might not have to submit any pay stubs, W-2s, you know, tax returns, um, bank statements. You might not even need an appraisal. So it's, 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 it's pretty cool. It's kind of And does it sound like that heartbeat loan? That if you have a heartbeat, you get a load. The fog, the mirror loan. <laughs> yeah. I love those. Those are well, actually. That I kind of remember that in about two thousand four. Anyways, keep yeah. going, Travis. Yeah. So there's there's like four components of it that have uh, documentation relief. There's you know income, employment, assets, and and appraisals. So income, um, the way it's set up right now, um, we validate people's income and employment through 
what's called the work number by Equifax. It used to always be called the work number. Now it's more like Equifax services. But there's about 30% of all the employers out there participate with, uh, with this service. And um, we validate people's income and earnings directly through that service. Really? And it's tied up into the automated underwriting system. It reads it. And um, and it, it accepts it, tells you what income that they say, and you know you're good. You don't have to submit any pay subs or nothing for that. Uh, now your employer has to be participating with it. If they don't, they can do a um, a manual outreach to the employer and uh, have somebody fill out a form, and then they kind of compute it or they kind of generate it uh, on a computer format that's acceptable. Um, also, for assets, um, they can opt in through a service called Account Check. And uh, basically, they provide their um, username and login to their banking institution. And um, the majority of all the banking institutions are, are participating in this. So you have to be able to have online banking, at, you know, number one. So like all the, you know, all the big banks, you know, the Wells Fargo's, the U.S. banks, you know, they're, they're all participating in it. And you just give them... Um, you just provide your username and access, and it allows the lender to basically get 60-day transaction histories of your stuff, and it analyzes deposits, it analyzes you know, balances, and it lets you know if you need to validate anything or confirm a large deposit or not. Um, and the other step is uh, appraisal. Um, if uh, this, this day and age, like every single appraisal that's done out there gets, gets put into a collateral underwriting database more or less and every single appraisal and comp is being analyzed by by a computer and when you run uh, a loan through the automated underwriting system and there's enough data in that neighborhood and that property and it likes the value you don't even have to get an appraisal anymore so you know it saves out think of the time you know you're not kidding you know yeah. And and the frustration, because I was joking, obviously, but you do get that a lot and say, oh, geez, it it, it lasts a little too long. We need all new bank statements again. Yeah, you I know. mean, like. You guys aren't doing that to be mean. I mean, that's what they're requiring. Right, yeah. There's a shelf life with pay stubs and bank statements. They can't be sold. Somebody, you know, pre-approves or gets qualified, you know, three months ago or something like that. I mean, and we have pay stubs, bank statements from three. We need new ones. Now with, with. With this, I mean, the computer, you know, as long there, there's an expiration, I think it's 120 days for the income piece. The bank statements, we have a, they, we get allowed a 90 day window to constantly refresh those those bank statements. So it's just, you know, it's, it's slick, you know. Um, I know a lot of times people get, you know, they're like, wow, you know, you know, freaked out about applying their username and passwords to, you know, this account check place for the assets, but kind of think about it i mean these banks have opted into working with them right so do you think they went through pretty rigorous security tests to make sure that you know be safe and i mean you know how safe is emailing me a bank statement i mean if you don't delete it out of your ascent item you know if somebody's in your email you can find all that stuff you know so So this is a brand new process is that i mean is this for fha or conventional va or it's just only for conventional financing right now through Fannie Mae's underwriting systems. So the, the two main underwriting systems are Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Now, it's only a matter of time. You know, we have a feeling that next year, two, three, you know, FHA is probably going to adopt to this. 
You know, Freddie Mac, I'm sure, is going to be adopting to this here pretty soon. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Borrowers, I think, are going to be extremely happy with it, not having to, you know, supply as, as much information and, and just make the whole loan process, like, so easy and simple, you know, and I'm, I'm really excited. And you know, it's not going to work for every borrower, um, depending on how they get paid, how long they've been at the job. Um, but uh, but it, it, there's a lot of borrowers that are going to be able to take advantage of this and be like, really? I just got a mortgage. That's all I did. Sweet. Yeah. No, that's uh, neat. I, I'll tell you that Andy and I were talking. Uh, we were actually coming to the show together and we were talking about all these abbreviations and stuff that we use and, you know, CMAs. And I mean, now I'm hearing him talk and, you know, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And I, I think it is kind of interesting. I think maybe sometime we should do a show kind of on what all these things actually are. Cause I think people get wrapped up in, you know, and what, what the heck's a Fannie and Freddie. Well, a perfect example is that is we were, I was sh- shadowing one of our, our newer agents on the team and they were talking at an open house and I stopped the, the person, of course, not to embarrass him, but I looked at the customer that was walking in and I said, I said, do you understand what, what uh, the, the agent just said? They go, not really. And I said, sometimes you need to stop and understand that we're trying to help you figure out what your house is worth. We want to help you figure out, you know, what's the maximum way to get the most amount of money out of that house for you and give you the time that's appropriate for you to prepare or decide that you don't want to prepare. And, uh, you know, that's really our job. Our fiduciary responsibilities as agents is, is you know, the loyalty, obedience, disclosure, confidentiality, reasonable care and accounting and beyond that, it's just a good old sense of we need to take care of our customers and that when somebody asks us what a house is worth, we need to tell them what it's worth or what they can do to maximize their returns. And, and I think that that's, you know, I, and again, not, I, always, I always go to picking on the way that the, the advertising is being done now, but you look at the way social media and some of the, the uh, ways that they can sell houses and we'll buy your house and we guarantee and all this other stuff. What I'm really concerned with in those propositions is their fiduciary responsibilities to the consumer. You know, when they say things, you know, like they benefit this or you benefit that. And I, I always say the disclosure should come with an ad that runs with a claim like that. First of all, they should say, how many of those houses are sold on that program within your sales per year? So if you if you don't do a guaranteed program more than 25% of the time, you shouldn't be able to talk about it. Or if we'll make you a guarantee or we'll make you an offer or we'll make you a whatever, there's lots of these companies that are coming. And what's the reality is, is this. They're offering you wholesale so that they can make a profit on you. So when they, they say have they're to not, make a profit. well, the, but I know that. But when you lead off with saying programs that don't benefit the the realtor, they benefit the consumer, or some of those other ones that are out there, it it, it really upsets me because it obviously benefits the person that runs a commercial. First of all, they have to pay for the ad, they have to pay for those commercials, they have to pay for the whatever. And I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but I'm just right. saying that the consumer sees this stuff and they get confused, and it's it's not right. It, it they really should. If anything else. If you listen to one of these, you know, fast pitch kind of situations, I want you to listen to somebody that's a honored or a respected re- uh, realtor in that market as well. Get more than one opinion. Don't just listen to the fast pitch. Listen to the traditional real estate agent, too, that will show you exactly what your house is worth and show you, hey, you're losing or you're you're putting $60,000 in their pocket by taking advantage of that program or you're leaving money on the table. And I think that that's, that's just, uh, you know, my – I don't know. Right. And there's, I don't mean to, I'm not trying to be snide. I just, I no. get upset when people get taken advantage of and this bothers me. Yeah, but some people don't want to, I mean, there is some people out there that don't want to deal with the hassle of it either. The convenience. You know, I get that, but it's just some... you're paying eight bucks for a Coke when you do a program like that. That's all I got to say. All right. Tell you what, let's take a break and <laughs> cool down a little bit. We'll, uh, we'll do that, but we'll be back with uh, more of the Real Estate Show here on News Talk 830 WCCO. 
And welcome back to this portion of the Real Estate Show around every Saturday here in the 10 o'clock hour on WCCO. Chris, Andy, Travis in the studio. Before we move on, there was mm-hmm. I'm thinking about the folks that may have joined us a little bit late. What was that figure, that high percentage of baby boomers that are kind of staying put? Well, you know, Denny, we, we were kind of trying to tackle the, the housing shortage and what what are some of the reasons what's holding back housing, right? So the, the rates jumping up and new construction's going up in costs and and houses are still selling, appreciation is still happening. But the, the main gist of it was is that a survey that they did, this was Realtor.com, they had Zillow, and they had Trulia.com, and um, the, uh, the Census Bureau all were doing surveys of, of plans, and they were just saying that the baby boomers they, that, that were surveyed, 85% of them had no intention of, of moving in the near future. And the problem that we see with that is, is it's the, uh, out of those 85% of the uh, baby boomers that didn't want to move, Seventy-eight percent of baby boomers own houses. That that equates to thirty-three million properties that are going to be sitting snug in a bug and not being up for sale. Which is part of that. When they talk about locking up a majority of the houses that are for sale, that's it's a huge number. I don't know have the stats of how many houses are in the U.S., but that's a significant amount of houses that are going to be sitting still. Now, as their needs change and as they get older, and you know, but it's just people are staying healthier longer. They're active longer. They they like to live the good life. I mean, I think you know. From what I've been told, we only go around this world once, so I... Uh, they're all going to move once they, I get my development together. <laughs> I'm telling you. They're all we, better pat, we better quick patent that before we tell anybody about it. We, uh, You know, that kind of with with Travis, is is there a difference between that? If if I'm financing like a duplex or like a, I don't know, I, I guess I'd call it an accessory living area. Maybe you just had a little area that's kind of like off your garage in another door. Yes, totally. It'd be two, two totally different ways of looking at the property. So... Um, you know, duplex is uh, two duplex, triplex, fourplex, whatever you want to go, go with. Um, there's different down payment requirements for those. Um, you know, in the conventional mortgage world, you have to put, you know, 15% down on a two unit legally zoned a duplex. Now, if something just has an accessory unit, you know, that's more treated as a single family home with an accessory unit. So, um, you would be able to find that or finance that, you know, traditionally. Now, you there's a difference because of interest rates and down payment, down payment, interest rates, etc. And I mean, if you had, if you were buying an accessory unit and you wanted to rent out that unit, you know, you could not use rental income from that um, to qualify. To qualify, okay, yep. So, could you define accessory unit? I mean, are we talking about like having a kitchen in the basement where mom and dad live down in the lower level? But it's completely open. There's no security to it. It's open, flowing with the rest of the house. Or what are we talking about? Yeah, one one main entrance with, um, you know, like a mother-in-law apartment, so to say. Or maybe you got like a little apartment thing above your garage or something like that. You know, there a duplex means there's two entrances. Two addresses? Two. Well, there could be two addresses. Two entrances. Hmm. So each unit has its own entrance. That's a duplex to me. Yeah. Now... Single family home with an accessory unit, typically it's one entrance. So in Rooney Land, is that going to be the same rule or is there going to be different Rooney rules? Rooney Land's going to have two separate entrances, but they're going to finance it normally. So is Are that... they going to have separate entryways too into yeah. the development? I think we got to write our Congress. <laughs> here's the renter's home. entrance and here's the owner's entrance. And... <laughs> well, the problem is with the city. I mean, I, I sold one of those and they, I mean, basically my client had to almost sign in blood because they put a full kitchen in the basement that they weren't going to have anyone but their mother-in-law 
in there and that they, they wouldn't rent it out. Well, back in the day, there were several cities that I would list the bank owned properties for, or not for the cities, but for the banks. And we'd have the city inspections and they'd, they'd say, remove the kitchen. They wanted those kitchens yeah. removed in the basements. They don't even want the illusion that you could have another family living in the basement. So, And there's so many, I mean, in reality out there, there's so many people that are doing that, renting out their lower level when it's not a duplex. I mean, there's a ton of people that are doing that, that have outfitted their basements like that. And, uh, but I just think the that. world's changing. I mean, like the like the model home that I sent in up in Blaine, where we actually have main floor living and a loft with two full size bedrooms with walk in closets and a, a full size bathroom, strictly designed for that you know move home adult or maybe you have like the the daughter with the you know the child or the son with the child or whatever or maybe they're just waiting for their new house to be ready or they're finishing college whatever it is. There's so many cool opportunities, I think, to use a product like that. Yeah, that's, and that's why I'm saying that that's there's options, and it's not just for your parents coming to live with you. Right. There's so many different things that people have, and you know, and in today's world too. I mean, it's kind of a jet-setting world, and people are off, and yeah. I don't know if you can combine costs, and you know, I think a lot of people, these baby boomers, mm-hmm. they're what's their biggest? Usually, their biggest problem is is maintaining things. And keeping stuff in play. Well, what right. happens if you put in a almost a caretaker in that area? Yeah. And they were able to take care of everything. You stay in their house. That's a fantastic point. I think a lot of people also that are in that baby boomer, they're not selling because they don't know where they're going to go. They don't know what they want. They don't want to succumb to the, I have to have everything taken care of for me. But if I want to have a garden, I want to have a garden. And so in uh, Andy land, we're actually going to have caretakers. And in Rooneyville, they'll. Uh... With separate entrances. <laughs> we. We should have our own towns. That'd be kind of fun. I don't. We're going to take applications. So, Denny, if you get applications, where this would week you for live, our Denny? Andy yeah, Land or Rooneyville? I, I I would split my time. <laughs> we have separate. Entrances. He'd have a condo right on the border. <laughs> Pay taxes in both. And I'd put up guards. Yeah. Keep those guys away. We have to go. Uh, how do we get in touch with the, every one of you guys? ChrisRooney.com is the best way to go. TravisMNLoans.com. Andy at Prasky.com. All right. Very good. Thanks, guys. Good to see you again. We'll be back again uh, next week. Hope you join us for more real estate here on News Talk 830 WCCO. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.